step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And that's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow from SpeedwayMedia.com as we bring you another episode of Talking in Circles. Today we will discuss the possibility of Danica Patrick's final year in NASCAR. Will it be 2017? Why? How has this come about? And what does she need to do to keep the sponsorship on that 10 car throughout next year? Also, there's been a little bit of a mysterious charter floating around here, the number 83 team from BK Racing talking about running as an open team. They have a charter. Where does that charter go? We don't know for 2017. We'll give you our opinions, our thoughts on that. Uh, we'll do our 2017 team preview. Thor Sport Racing announced their plans. Uh, Doug Yates thinks the possibility that Dodge could come back in 2018. Is that a real possibility? We'll discuss that and more on Talking in Circles. You can join the show, 917-889-8280. To join the conversation on Talking in Circles. But first, Sean, kind of big news last week. We saw it last week with a, uh, I guess you can call it a sponsorship photo shoot, whatever you want to call it, where it just seemed like all of a sudden Nature's Bakery, the sponsorship for Dead to Patrick's number 10 team and 2016, I mentioned about. It wasn't on her driver's suit, all of a sudden disappeared from her car. Now it's disappeared from her Twitter page, from Stuart House Racing's pages. It's almost like they've gotten up and completely disappeared. This was going to be a three-year deal, John, with Nature's Bakery, a company that's got 500 employees, a three-year contract that did a lot of business-to-business deals with Stuart Haas Racing, and now it looks like Danica could be in trouble here. This is a, a girl who is a, a driver who is, quote-unquote, a marketing machine. She has not performed to, the, to the, the level I think everybody expected her to in the Sprint Cup Series. And yet, here and here she is. It looks like big time sponsorship rules on this ten car. Is let me ask you straight up: Is 2017 is the 2017 Daytona 500 going to be the start of Danica Patrick's final year in NASCAR? What are your what's your thoughts? I think it will. There's a part of me that says somehow, some way, somebody will step up and sponsor her because you're right. She, I mean. She is a marketing dream. She looks good. She sells a product well. She represents them well. The only problem is she doesn't finish well. I think Danica is was I mean she was toward the end of the I mean getting toward the end of it anyhow because I think sooner or later her and Ricky are going to think about having a family. But I just we both talked about it when Nature's Bakery was announced as Danica sponsor to replace GoDaddy that this is a very, very small company. And a $20 million a year investment 
is a lot for a small company like that. And they're growing, they're growing. I mean, heck, you see the Nature's Bakery stuff in most every grocery store. But it's one of those ones where I think they outgrew, the, they outkicked their coverage. And now Stuart Haas has sponsor woes because the 14 isn't filled up. They still have a lot of inventory on the 14 to sell. All we know of on the 14 is about the five or ten races that Mobile One's on there. We don't know what else is on the rest of the year. And now Danica's sitting there where she's got a tax act for a few races, and they may step up more early in the season. She's got Aspen Dental on for a couple races. She's got Code 3 Associates on for a few races. And Gene Haas, he's got pockets that are really deep, but sooner or later he's going to say, hey, I did this, I played this game before. Whenever he was running two cars with his own name on them, and they weren't very good. Now, the difference is you've got Harvick, who's running great. You've got Kurt Busch, who's running really well in a Haas-sponsored car with some Monster Energy. But if you look at it from the 14 car, there's been no um, talk of the return of Bass Pro Shops. They're over at the 78 team. Clint Boyer, you thought, was going to bring something with them, but five-hour energy didn't come. You haven't heard anything from Peak Antifreeze. You haven't heard anything from Maxwell House. So there's a lot of inventory open at Stuart Haas Racing. They have a great team put together, but sooner or later, Gene Haas is going to say, hey, uh, I didn't become a billionaire by throwing money away at nothing. We need to make some money. Yeah, listen, I, I, I mean – hard enough for these owners to make money and they I think they're in two completely different situations. You're talking about Clint Boyer who's a guy who comes here from uh a year at H Scott Motorsports, had three or four years over there at Michael Walter Racing, had a big time sponsor with five hour energy. And listen, Clint when Michael Walter Racing was on its rise, Clint won a lot of races there. Clint won three races there that one year. It looked like Michael Walter Racing and Clint Boyer in that fifteen car were, were a championship contender until Spingate. And that has completely turned Clint Boyer's career around around and turned Michael Walter Bracing. Obviously we know that whole fiasco. Spingate was horrific for that team and for Clint Boyer's career. Um my opinion on Clint Boyer is I think Clint Boyer will sell sponsorship eventually. I think Clint Boyer is good enough to where he may be able to win some races in F fourteen car, run up front and make the chase. I personally think Clint Boyer will make this chase in 2014. I, I think, uh, or 2017, excuse me, in that 14 car. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, the, the, the doubt comes for me is from Danica Patrick. We're talking about a driver here who's got six top tens in her career and 154 career starts. One pole, which was the Daytona 500, which to me, you know, you can say all you want, but these drivers talk about all the time how a monkey can qualify at Daytona National Speedway as a driver. All you got to do is hold the wheel straight and press the gas down, and you're in pretty good shape. But six top ten, John, and, and 154 starts. She's going to be entering her fifth year in the Cup Series. Hasn't finished any better than 24th in, in the standings. All with Hendrick Motorsports chassis and engines. They're moving to Ford this year, getting a lot of Fords, getting their Rashi's engines, which their engine department won't take a hit. But you have to wonder how if this team will take a little bit of a hit here. Will this team take a little bit of a hit uh, performance-wise? Because they're they're building their own chassis now, sure, you know, but they're not used to it. Sure, they have the, the they're going to do it, and it might be better off in the long run. But in the short term, this could hurt this team. And I think Danica Patrick, it's chase or bust for her this year. If she doesn't make the chase, she's done. I truly believe that she needs to make this chase 
and get a sponsor to, to be with her throughout the year. We saw it with, with GoDaddy.com. They signed a personal service contract with her after they left off the, off the 10 car at Stuart Haas Racing because they know she's a good marketing machine. They just don't believe in her abilities as a, as a race car driver, and you have to wonder if there's a sponsor out there that will take that risk, that $25 million risk, to be on that race car that runs 24th every week. This is a big, big year for Danica Patrick. We need to see drastic improvement, and I don't think we're going to see it, John. I don't think so either. I think uh, the one thing that will help, we might see a top 20 finish out of her this year because it's her second year with Billy Scott, and she's had a pretty much different crew chief every year. The first year when they were working through it, when she was doing the part-time stuff, Zippy was on the box, and she had Tony Gibson, and then she had uh, Daniel Canost, and now she's got Billy Scott for a second year, so there's going to be actually some sort of – cohesion going from year to year so she's got the same crew chief in her ear that she's had the year before but they've tried everything they've i mean they keep throwing throwing different people at it i mean greg zippadelli's proven he can win he won with joey he won with tony tony's tony or tony gibson's proven he can win he's won with kurt bush he's won with junior he's won with mark martin i mean he's he's a winner um Daniel Knost won with Kurt Busch, and mm-hmm. Billy Scott won with Brian Brian Vickers. Right. So you and he's won with Clint Boyer. So you have mm-hmm. a good group of crew chiefs there who've been through the Danica uh, circle of death, and they've all gone somewhere else on top of it and succeeded. So I just think that Danica, the mania is over. And she, like you said, she's got to finish. She's got to get in the chase to continue in that ride. But the thing is, she does have a contract for another year. And mm-hmm. but then contracts are what contracts are. If she realizes the writing's on the wall, they could end up saying, "Okay, I'm going to get out, and Ricky and I are going to start a family." So, but the thing is, the other person who really needs to prove himself this year is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. because yeah. he's been going through the through the show. Roush has struggled, and he's been doing okay in Roush stuff, but he's nothing to, hasn't done anything to write home about. Because at one point, it was talked about that Ricky Stenhouse was going to be Stewart's successor in the 14. Because Stewart brought him through the midget ranks. Stewart brought him to NASCAR. And they thought he would be the guy that would replace Tony in the 14 car. And whenever you were talking about the 14, you're right. I think Clint Boyer's going to have a hell of a year. I just listen to him. He sounds like a new man. He sounds happy. He's excited. He's got a crew chief he knows can win. He won with Tony mm-hmm. last year, and it seemed like Tony had already checked out. But they right. still found a way to win. They still found a way to make the chase. And I think it'll be great for Clint Boyer this year. But the Danica sponsorship woes are big trouble for Stuart Haas, and it's big trouble for the possibility. It might be the beginning of the end of Danica's NASCAR career. I do, too, and I, I agree with that. And I think – when you look at Boyer, yeah, he had a, a tough 2016. Uh, that, that 15 car wasn't where I think everybody thought it was going to be entering the year. They, they were stalked. They were going to have a, a, a technical alliance with Stuart Haas Racing. But once Stuart Haas announced they were moving to Ford, I think that kind of fizzled out. Boyer voices his pleasure with the team. I think the shock with the team early on in the year. And early on in the year, he really struggled. But I think throughout the year, the team got better. He shut his mouth. And he just drove, and it got a little bit better to where he was a little bit more competitive, much more competitive than his teammate Michael Onette. But he was a little bit more competitive throughout the year, and I think that was good to see from, from him. 
And now he's sitting there going, okay, this is my second chance. I have to prove this. You know, I had a great deal run with RCR and Michael Waltrip Racing. I kind of fell flat on my face after the Stingate thing. And now here I am back up with a with a good team. I'm going to go out there and try and win. And I think he can do it. I think he's proven it in the past. I think he's going to make this chase. Is he a championship contender? I don't know. But in this chase format, you can't rule anything out. But Danica's year, again, it's huge. And, and really, John, and we talked about this off the air earlier, this is a, a huge deal for females in NASCAR. I mean, when you talk about it, you know, there is nobody, I mean, aside from Jennifer Joe Cobb, if this is indeed Danica's last year, in the top three divisions in NASCAR, there is, there is no woman who runs full-time. Jennifer Joe Cobb ran most of the full schedule last year in the truck series, hasn't really announced her plans this year for 2017, but she's far away from the Cup Series. Um, you know, and, and the other female drivers are in the uh, Camping World East and Camping World West Series that we and are the ARCA Series that we could see possibly succeed Danica. So the fact that I think a lot of people have looked at Danica Patrick as the first female winner in NASCAR if she doesn't get it done this year, that might not be the possibility. And that's something I think if you told people five years ago she wouldn't have any truck, any Xfinity, or any cup wins, I think they would have been surprised that we would still be waiting on our first female winner in NASCAR. That's another possibility here with this Danica, if this is indeed her final year in NASCAR. Well, you look at the Danica history whenever she ran IndyCar. She won the one race at Motegi. She was competitive at Indy. But she was a 10th place car most of the time out of a 24 car field. She wasn't anything really spectacular to write home about. She did great at the Brickyard and got the most out of everything a Bobby Ray Hall or a Andretti Autosport car could give her and got bit by fuel mileage once. And But she always was up front. She was always making noise at Indy. And it just seemed like the big, heavy cars just never translated to her. I mean, you look, the difference between an Indy car and a stock car is about 2,000 pounds. And the engineering that goes into it, I mean, those things are gripped to the ground. I mean, it takes, I mean, when you say about a monkey qualifying at Daytona, you could put a monkey in an Indy car, he just has to have balls bigger than church bells to hang on to the thing because they're going 230 miles an hour. But the thing's hold on to themselves. It takes a really big mistake to wreck it. And she hasn't proven that she can run competitively. She gets into trouble or she just is out to lunch. I mean, it's like she doesn't know when to let off or she doesn't know how to put the foot to the floor. I mean, she lets off too early or doesn't get in too soon. She just doesn't have it. And she's had five years to show that she has it. It hasn't been there. I think the reason the ride has continued as long as it has is because she had GoDaddy with the full sponsorship for the long time. And then Nature's mm-hmm. Bakery was going to come up and be a, a grow. They were going to grow their company with the sport. And obviously that hasn't happened. So the sponsorship's not there. I don't think the ride's going to stay. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that's the issue we're talking about here. I'm talking in circles tonight. And just one real quick thing about Danica. We haven't seen that drastic improvement we need to see from her. I mean, you talk about her first year in Cup in 2013. Her average finish was 26.1, which is bad. And she improved by three spots to 23.7. And you would expect a gradual, uh, that pretty much a gradual growth until she gets to the top 10. 
And we haven't seen that. Her average finish last year was 22. Her average finish the year before was 23 and a half. She's kind of stayed in the middle there, and, I, and that's not good. As the field got chopped down last year from 43 cars to 40 cars, that helped her improve her average finish a little bit. She's kind of stayed stagnant there um, in the 23rd and 22nd range the last three seasons. She's going to need to be much, much better than that if she wants to keep her ride here heading into 2018. So that, that's, that's a, a rough start to Danica Patrick's 2017 season for a driver who really needed to have um, a solid year. Real quick before we move on, this, are you worried at all about Stuart Haas Racing, John? Even Kurt Busch. Look at Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch is the guy who has a partial sponsorship to Haas Automation, sponsors to Carwin. Monster Energy is not on it. Monster Energy has put their money into the Cup Series. We know that. If you've been in the Cup Series and you're a NASCAR fan, you know that. Are you worried about Kurt Busch possibly going unsponsored in a year or two? That's Gene Haas, who started an F1 team, has a lot of money invested in that. They're going to need to find some sponsorships here. Uh, if they can't find one for Danica, if they can't find one for Boyer, maybe even Kurt Busch here. Uh, Kevin Harvick is a great driver. He's going to probably he's going to be in a chase, no doubt about it, this year. I mean, you can put put it to the bank. He's going to be in a chase and compete for a championship. They have fully funded ride between Busch and Jimmy Johns in that car. But the other three sponsorships a little bit hairy because of the fact that Monster Energy is in the Cup Series. Danica's losing sponsorship, not much in a 14. Are you at all worried about, about Stuart Haas Racing moving forward? Not really. Like you said, Gene's got pockets that he's got money that we never even dream of having. And if you think about what he's writing in the NASCAR, if he spends $30 million a team, He's spending a hundred million bucks, I mean, hundred twenty million bucks a year. Harvick sponsored fully. Uh, they've got sponsorship from Mobile One across the board. They've got a boatload of money. Ford backed up a Brinks truck for Stuart Haas Racing to switch over and leave the comfort of Hendrick engines and Hendrick chassis. There had to be a Brinks truck coming in there, so Ford is paying Stuart Haas a boatload of money and a boatload of technical support for Stuart Haas to have the blue oval on the car. Um, I think Kurt Busch will be fine. I think this is the last year of his contract. I also see, I mean, the rumor's been out there that Gene Haas and Tony Stewart both want Kyle Larson. And they'll do almost anything they can to get Kyle Larson in that car. Kyle Larson's been pretty loyal to Chip Ganassi so far. We'll see what happens going forward now that Target's going to go away next year. But I, Gene Haas has more money than we'll ever dream of having. He could probably write off all four of these. He'll make five or he'll make ten, fifteen CNC machines and pay for something, and they'll be fine. Um, but I, I don't see Gene Haas wanting to do this forever, where it's Haas on everything. Because what's the return on investment for him other than having a four car team and saying we're as good as Hendrick? The matter of how much money Ford's putting in and how much um, Tony and the uh, business operations team can go together and get some sponsorship in there. I'm kind of surprised. One of the things you're seeing, you look at Ty Dillon signing Twisted T for his Xfinity race. Whenever they drove, I mean, they sponsored Richard Petty Motorsports in the past. Mm-hmm. There's these little one-two race sponsorships. You'd think Stuart Haas would say, hey, we got cars in the chase. Why don't you come over here for a couple races instead of going down to the Xfinity Series? So I think it that might be somebody at Stuart Haas is saying, give us the world, instead of saying, okay, we'll take uh, this country. Yeah, that, that's interesting. It is interesting. You saw Twisted T go to Jermaine Racing as well with 
Ty Dillon. Uh, 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles tonight. Um, it, it, that is interesting. And I think – I agree with you. I don't think they have to worry about it just yet. But obviously you want sponsorships on these cars or you wouldn't have them. Um, and it's something to keep an eye on. I think 2017 they'll be all right. I do believe once Boyer starts winning races and gets back into good races of NASCAR fans, maybe even the people in NASCAR – um, and proves that that thing gate deal is way behind him, I think sponsorship will come pretty easily for that 14 car. Uh, a couple of other things here, John, that caught my attention this week is the 83 car of BK Racing, a team that finished in the bottom three of the chartered teams last year in owner points, which is something to keep an, in- an interesting eye on here as we move forward. Uh, remember the rule. If you finish in the bottom three in the Cup Series as a, as a charter team, if you finish in the bottom three of the chartered teams, for three consecutive years, um, you will lose your charter. Uh, the 83 car was one of those teams last year, and now they've announced that Corey LaJoy is going to run that car for 14 races. Joey Gates is going to run that car sometimes, as well as Greg Galding maybe. Um, they seem to be now saying that, that they will run as an open team in 2017, which is curious because will they lease their charter or will they sell it? I've heard, everything I've heard is that they will sell S. E-L-L, sell their charter, uh, which is surprising to me that they wouldn't want to lease it out. But, John, we're two weeks from Daytona here before these trucks load up and go to Daytona. Who the heck buys this charter? I mean, I'm trying to think of teams. You know, I know J.J. Yelly was at the test at Phoenix yesterday and today. Um, a lot of people are kind of pointing at TriStar Motorsports. That was a hot rumor early on in the offseason that they might move a car to the Cup Series in 2017. Haven't heard anything from that standpoint in a while. Um, premium Motorsports, I heard maybe they were interested in another charter. Uh, they kind of re- had to, and they re- leased another one out, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Where do you see this charter going for 2017, John? You, me, and Lee in Virginia, we're going to buy the charter for five grand. We're going to buy a car, and we'll take turns running it, and we'll finish We'll do the 15 laps and park it, so that way we save the engine, save the tires, don't cost us a bunch. We'll make a boatload of money just by sitting there in 40th place. We've got another two years, this year and next year, we can run the charter. NASCAR can have it back, and we'll make our money off of it. That's what's going to happen with it. You, me, Lee, and Virginia are buying the charter. (laughs) Sounds good. And with the way charters are going, it sounds like that we might be able to do that financially. But it is an interesting theory because – this is, a, you know, you can't, these charters just can't, quote, unquote, disappear. We're going to have 36 charters. NASCAR's basically come out and said 36 charters. We're going to have 36 charters. Somebody's going to have to ride that charter out. And Corey LaJoy's been saying, hey, listen, we're an open team. Uh, Greg Golden mentioned that in a press conference last week as well, where they're probably going to be an open team at 83. It's just curious because there's no team that's really waiting to get one. And it makes me wonder, is this Ron Devine, the owner of BK Racing, is this his exit plan? Because we've talked, we've heard rumors about this team uh, earlier in the offseason. They they had a, a, a note on their door from the tenant saying, "Listen, pay up your bills or you're out." They were kind of uh, barred out of their own shop for a day because of financial struggles. And you have to wonder, you know, they've hired Greg Golding, who brings additional sponsorship to that to BK Racing. Corey LaJoy, who's not no disrespect to him, but not a a uh, big time premier driver. With a big name, he's a young kid trying to trying to catch on to catch on to a, a big time team in NASCAR, and he's more on the cheaper end of things. Same thing with Joey Gase; he brings a little bit of additional sponsorship as well from Best Home Furnishings. Um, 
you have to wonder if they're in a little bit of financial flux here, and they're saying, you know what, this is our exit plan. We'll sell the 83 charter this year, run out the chassis and everything we have in 2017, and then sell our remaining charter in tw- before the 2018 season and completely get out. Do you think that's a viable option here for BK Racing? Do you think Ron Devine, this is Ron, the beginning of Ron Devine's exit plan? Oh, I think so. I think Ron Devine uh, has tried and tried, and the way the financials are set up for NASCAR, the business models just don't work out unless you're Joe Gibbs, unless you're Roger Penske, unless you're Rick Hendrick, unless you're Gene Haas, unless you're – I mean, Chip Ganassi is still getting there with two cars, but somehow he does it. But their sponsorship isn't the greatest in the world. Um, Richard Petty Motorsports down to one car, Roush down to two when they used to be at five. I mean, the business model's not there. And this is where you and I talked whenever they announced the charter system. We said this was going to turn into a fiasco sooner or later. We figured it would be four or five years down the line, not the first year. There's nobody who is going to – I mean, what good is it to buy that 83 charter? Unless you are Roger Penske wanting a third car. Unless you are Chip Ganassi wanting a third car. Where you have the ability and you have the top-notch equipment already. If you're going to be a 36-place car in the point standings, what's the sense? You're buying a charter that you're going to lose in two years. You're not making enough money to pay your tire bills. You're not making enough money to fly everybody down and back. You're not making enough money to lease your engines. I mean, the business model of NASCAR is screwed. And everybody thought Rob Coffin was this genius and everything about how he got the charter system and people would be able to sell their charters whenever they were ready to get out and make some money off of it. Guess what? You have to be a racer to want to race. There's, I mean, there are some of those investment bankers who've come in and invested, but they're, they're they're not making any money off of it, and no smart investment banker or no smart financial planner is going to say, oh, you want to make a career out of it? Let's go to NASCAR. You'll make a lot of money there. You'll yeah. make squat. And I, and I think an interesting thing in this is it's going to really hurt the little teams, this chartering system. I think it, it kind of plays into the hands of the bigger teams. They can kind of gobble gobble up these charters and have four cards and kind of spread it evenly when you're a big team. I think that's ultimately what we're going to see eventually. Um, you know, Lee, and I, Lee in Virginia and I, who leaves, Lee is actually, I, I believe, calling in right now, but I have a quick thing I want to say real quick here before I bring him on. He and I have discussed this off the air a couple of times. Well, BK, the interesting thing about BK Racing is you're going to run 30th no matter what. They had David Reagan and, and Matt Benedetto there last year, who are very, who are pretty good drivers. Reagan's won in the Cup Series before; he's had some decent success. Uh, Matt Benedetto, a lot of people are high on him. And is it really going to matter whether they gain two or three spots by having Benedetto and Reagan in there when they can bring somebody in who's funded, who has some money, and say we're just going to run it that way uh, and and not kill ourselves financially like we did in 2016 to finish 33rd and 34th in owner points. We could finish 35th and 36th in order points and have people here with money. So, really, you have to weigh the options. They, they might not grow that way, that team, but financially it might be the best option. Uh, we have a caller here, John. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Liam Virginia. 
Lee in Virginia, co-car owner. (laughs) That's right. I think the interesting thing, you guys have nailed it absolutely about the charters. I think the interesting thing is, look at some of these charters. You know, you got a guy like Joe Falk. There's a lot of teams that that are there that that are chartered teams that really, I mean, they're not great teams. You know, the 32 team right now, Matthew Benedetto left BK Racing for that 32 team. Remember how putrid that 32 car ran last year? I understand yeah. they're gonna they're gonna they're they're sort of aligned with Richard Petty Motorsports. You know they're using, they're leasing that uh, yeah they're leasing that charter um, for this season, but they're sort of aligned with RPM. But they're getting old chassis from, these, from RPM. But that doesn't mean anything because these chassis are, are so they're, they're they're moved out of here so quickly over the course of 36 races. You have to wonder if the performance is going to pick up. And even D. Benedetto saw the handwriting on the wall and said, "You know what? I'm out of here." You know, uh, right now, Front Row Motorsports is a good team because there's so many bad teams out there. Joe Falk has a charter. Uh, the 32 team has a charter. The 55 team has, or the, I'm sorry, the 15 team with Michael Waltrip and, and whoever, whoever they're going to find that's going to buy that ride has a charter. I mean, there's a lot of bad teams out there right now with charters, and it's kind of like, okay, well, you're going to have your 20, 23 good teams and really two or three not so good te- two or three not so good teams and then the rest of them are just going to be teams that are just going to be field fillers in the back. Maybe that's the way it always was, but it just feels like at this point, you know, what's the point of stepping up your program? Um it, it's an interesting situation and I think you I think you inevitable is absolutely right. You may see one or two teams, you know, like Front Row Motorsports for example, Bob Jenkins got a big bankroll behind him. You may see him you know, hang on here and, and, and in the next 20 to 30 years, you know, build up his organization and, and become a decent team that can win races. But to become a powerhouse ever again, I'm not sure we'll ever see a team start and, and then become a powerhouse again. And that leads me to my next point here, Lee, and, and thank you for your opinion on that. We'll get your opinion on this next point. My next point here is a manufacturer change. You know, if one of these teams dodge, a hot rumor dodge is coming in, you know, maybe somebody can hook up with, with a premier team, let's say Rich Benny Motorsports says, we're going to be the premier team at Dodge, we're going to build their engines, and one of those other teams can say, well, we'll be the second team, we'll kind of, you'll have, you'll build our chassis and engines, and we'll follow you guys suit. That might help a team like, like a premier motorsports, like a front row motorsports, like a, um, you know, uh, BK Racing and teams like that. So that would be very interesting to keep an eye on. John, it was a, real quick, I want to get your opinion on this. Doug Yates came out and made an interesting comment this week about Dodge. Do you think Dodge, he said that Dodge, he thinks Dodge can definitely be in NASCAR by 2018, by next year, this time next year, they could have a team and be ready to go for the Daytona 500. Do you think it's a real possibility, John? I believe so. They still have the engine that's chartered by NASCAR, it's approved by NASCAR. They'd have to make some tweaks to it and everything because there's been five years of changes since then. But yeah, Dodge could get back in. Here's the thing, though, with Dodge getting back in. If you remember when Dodge came back the first time, they came back, they had Ray Evernham, they had Bill Davis, they had Roger Penske, and they had Chip Ganassi. They didn't come in to the backfield fillers. They had quality up-front teams because Ray Evernham's team had everything you could throw at it. He brought Bill Elliott in, and Bill Elliott was competitive once Dodge. It took him a first half of the season, but the second half of the season, Dodge was on a rail. Rusty ran well in the Dodge. Newman ran well in the Dodge. The Chip Ganassi Dodges came up. 
I mean, you look, Sterling Marlin almost won the Daytona 500 in a Dodge until he reached out and tried to fix his fender. But until then, it's you're not going to get the they're not going to the front row motorsports. Dodge, if they're going to come back in, they're going to make a big splash. They're going to try to get a big team to play ball with them. And mm-hmm. at this point in time, I don't know who would want to play ball. Gibbs has Toyota. Childress is Chevy beyond Chevy. Hendrick ain't mm-hmm. leaving Chevy. Penske's a Ford guy. I mean, he's make, he's he's a top-notch Ford carrier. Stuart Haas has just switched to Ford. I don't think Roush is going to Dodge. Who's it going to be? They're not. They're going to make a splash if they're coming back, and I don't see anybody wanting to splash with them. The only team I could see, John, before I get Lee's opinion, I, I see one of the teams I can see. We talked about Rash. I think Rash is a possibility. I know he's blue oval. He bleeds blue for blue oval, but that team's really struggled. Maybe that he looks at that as a, a plan to sort of say, you know what, we'll regroup as a Dodge team. And the other team is, and we've seen him with Dodge before, so it's not a crazy idea. Is Ganassi? I know they're losing uh, Target at the end of the year, most likely. They haven't that hasn't officially been announced yet, but they're losing Target at the end of the year. So that's very interesting to keep an eye on as well. That team, because they, I think they have the capacity with their IndyCar program and how much money and and income that Chip Ganassi brings in from that from the IndyCar teams and these other sport car teams, he has the financial backing, I believe, to start his own engine program. So he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Lee, do you think the possibility? Of 2018, that Dodge will be here by 2018. Do you think it's a real possibility? Absolutely, and I think another interesting character in that Canassi deal is Rob Kaufman as well. Who you know, we, he's head of the owner, or the, the owners' council, the owners' union, whatever you want to call it. He has a, a ton of money behind him. He bankrolled the MWR cars for for a few years there. Um, he's a guy that's with the Ganassi team right now. That if they needed an extra cap, some extra capital to make the transformation to Dodge, I could absolutely see that. And if I'm Dodge, that's who I try and court. And maybe I bring in a single car or a two-car operation from Richard Petty Motorsports, and that's really where I start. Ganassi made both of their cars made the chase last year. Kyle Larson won a race. Jamie McMurray's made the chase the last two years. I think that that's the team there where, yeah, they're not a high-level, top-notch strength. Oh, I'm sorry, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series team, but they are a team still good enough to compete for championships. They got a top-level driver there if they can manage to hang on to them. Um, so to me, that's what I would try and do. And and you know maybe you, maybe you. Uh, you know, you talk to them and start that this year. I don't know what the deal is with them with Chevrolet, but they don't build their own engines. That's the only holdup right now is you'd have to start an engine program and Ganassi would have to get one behind him or somebody would have to build his engines for him. That's the only thing. And Childress is an interesting option. I know he's a Chevrolet guy. They've been General Motors. He was sponsored by General Motors for almost 30 years uh, as the main primary sponsor. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I think that that could happen because I've heard from people that are close that, you know, this is an opportunity for them, and, and you know they are they are second in line there at Chevrolet. At least though, being third in line at Chevrolet for Gibbs was they jumped ship and went to Toyota, and they're first in line. And look where they are right now. RCR has been doing it and they've been battling it, and they're a good team. But boy, they haven't won a race in almost four years, um, and and it, it, it's taken them a long time to get back here. Um, if they're if if they if Dodge can throw a ton of money at them and, and court them away from Chevrolet, boy. That would be huge for Dodge, and, and that would be the team for them. If they wanted to make an impact quickly, that would be the team to go to. He's got an engine program there. He's got a ton of Xfinity teams, and he's got a ton of teams that uh, you know are, are subsidiary teams. With yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that would be a – if they could get him, I don't know how possible that is to get him, but if they could, he's the perfect guy for them to get because you already have your engine program there. 
he's the perfect guy for them to get. But again, the ability of that happening will will be, remain to be seen. Real quickly, you want to get your opinion before I let you go. Tour Sport Racing announced their driver lineup for 2017. Cody Coughlin will drive one of the trucks. Matt Crafton will be back, as will Ben Rhodes. Uh, but an interesting hire, and a guy I'm really happy for is Glenn Enfinger. Glenn Enfinger will drive the 98 call, truck this year. I'm sorry about that. He'll drive the 98 truck this year for Thor Sport Racing. Um, a great driver, a driver who won a Talladega last year for GMS. Um, a guy who's 32 years old, a little bit older than, than what we see these younger kids come up with now. But what are your thoughts on, on, on Thor Sport? Are they a better team now than where they were in 2016? Yes, they are. Um, you know, they had uh, three pretty young drivers there and then the veteran, Matt Crafton. And Crafton won the championships back-to-back years before this year. And I think part of that was he had an, a, a teammate, a veteran teammate in Johnny Sauter. And I think that they lost that veteran leadership and that veteran guy and that, and that truly great driver that wasn't bankrolled by a big sponsor behind him. You know, uh, Rico Avery was a rookie. Caleb Holman was, was bankrolled by a big sponsor and was a sophomore uh, Brandon Ben Rhodes was very inexperienced, and that were, those were his three teammates. Bringing in Enfinger, I know he doesn't have a ton of experience, but Grant Enfinger's been a great driver. He, everything he's gone in has gone faster. I think he can help that organization. Uh, one quick point I wanted to make about Danica, and I'll hang up the phone after this one. We talked about Danica before. Uh, I want to ask you guys, and John, you've, you've watched this sport, you've watched that team real closely. It just doesn't seem like she gives a damn. I'm sorry, and, and honestly, I mean, there are, there are race car drivers out there like Jimmy Johnson who put total, total focus on their, on their team, and I get it, and that's fine. And she doesn't need to be that focused, I think, to be competitive, and I don't think that she's ever going to be a driver that can win championships and win a ton of races at this level, but I don't think it also has to be this bad. Um, I think her focus lacks, and I, I just think she just does not give a damn, and I think we've, we've everybody, and, and this was something that was brought up on Late Shift a couple of weeks ago, they were all upset about the way Jordan Bianchi asked her a question. And it's almost like the media has enabled her to run like crap, find excuses, and let her be okay with it. You know, it's like a kid having a bad behavior and always finding an excuse for him. No more excuses. I'm tired of hearing about it. You know, maybe part of the reason is we hear about how wonderful she's doing when she's running 22nd at Stuart Haas Racing, and she doesn't feel like she needs to do any better. You know, if we call her out and say, you know what, she needs to be better, I'm sorry, that's the way it goes. If the media starts to change their, their, the way they talk about her, maybe Danica's going to realize, you know what, they're not on my side anymore. I need to put more focus on this. I need, to, I need to, to put more focus on it because, honestly, it just doesn't seem like she cares that she runs terribly every single year and, and, and fails to hit all the expectations that people have for her and fails to hit where that car's supposed to run. I just It bothers me to my core that she just does not – seem to care very much that that's where she's running and, and she's, you know, doing all kinds of other things and, and running all kinds of businesses and, and you know, care a little bit. Imagine if Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt had seen like that, they'd be miserable. It just it bothers me that she doesn't care. You guys get the same vibe? Uh, one of the things, whatever you said about it, Lee, I, I get where you're coming from. I think the media, you're right, it's helped enable her. Because the media will make as many excuses for her as she does. Um, As Clayton and I talked earlier, I mean, this is the first time she's had continuity in the crew chief department. Where she's going to have somebody for a second full year. I mean, she had Daniel Canoes cross over a couple races one year into the next. But she's going to have Billy Scott for a second year. The one thing that I've always heard, and it always seems to kind of follow the 
same rules as this, is when you would hear Tony talk about Stuart Haas racing, we expect to have three cars in the chase. I don't think I've ever heard him say I expect to have four cars in the chase. Because pretty much they all looked at Danica as, okay, the money's coming in. We'll keep that car there because the money's coming in. And we can almost shortchange it if we have to, to keep Harvick and Bush and, at that point, Smoke running really well. And now it's going to be Boyer. The money's not there now. And we'll see what happens. I mean, whenever you hear Tony Stewart at Speed Weeks, if he says that Danica needs to run well and she needs to make the chase, then you may see a change in pattern. But if it's like, well, we expect to have three cars in the chase, they've pretty much given up the ghost on Danica, and it's a matter of time of whether or not she steps out of the car. 917-889-8280 to join the conversation. I'm talking in circles. Lee in Virginia, thank you so much for your phone call. And Listen, I agree. I think I agree with a lot what Elise said there about Danica, and I don't know. I can't remember the exact time. I believe it was the year before last, so that would put it at 2015. Um, she was on pit road one time and basically came out and and did a. Uh, they were doing. I believe it was Michael Waltrip's grid run or something like that. And there, there she was, 27th in points, and jumped in front of the camera, just like like a show. It was almost like a clown doing something that that to make somebody laugh. And I sat there and I said, you know what? Maybe I'm a little too hard on her because I expect if, but if that was my race car driver, if my race car driver was performing like that and did that, I'd be annoyed. I'd be really, you know, not not doing it on a Thursday is a big deal, but she did it on a Sunday about ten minutes prior to green, and I'm sitting there going, I would be annoyed as could be. I would want my driver to be focused, ready and willing and angry, and take that anger and and use it. And I would be annoyed as could be if that was my driver. And I'm not saying these guys and these drivers have to go out there and, and make this their life, but I think you do if, if you're in this business, if you're in the top echelon of this business. I really do. And be focused. If somebody did that in the locker room, John, prior to a game, if, if you know, if somebody did that in the baseball, even a baseball locker room, they play 162 games a year, five minutes, ten minutes prior to a game, and was goofing around and he was batting a buck 30, and he's supposed to be batting 280, you're sitting there going, maybe I don't need this guy on my team anymore. You know, that's what really, really bothered me about that. Maybe I'm looking at it too harsh, and maybe I'm being a little too harsh on her, but that's the way I look at it. I, I agree there with what Lee said. Well, I think at some point, there's pro- especially when it comes to Danica, there's probably some sponsor sitting back there going, cha-ching, she got us a minute of air time, which would have cost us $437,000. So her acting goofy for that minute while Mikey's walking down acting stupid got us $437,000 of free air time. There's some sponsor back there going cha-ching. And that's all they care about, caring about their return on investment. How much did we put into this and how much TV time are we getting out of it and how much of this? I, one of the things that everybody's running into when it comes to her, they're expecting more TV time than they were expecting her to run up front. Yep. And That's the only TV point, time though. she gets is when she's getting lapped, when she comes into pit road, or when she wrecks. That's a very good point. And it's just it's it's going to be a very big year for Danica in 2017, no doubt about it. And I think those are very, all very solid points because, uh, you know, 
she cannot continue to perform the way she has and expect to stay in NASCAR. Okay, John, um, we, we decided to do this. This is the first of a, of a three- to four-week part series here that we're going to do on Talking in Circles. Our 2017 team preview, we've reached February. We have reached February. We're about two weeks away from the entry list coming out for Daytona. Can't wait for that, honestly. Can't wait for the trucks to go, load up and go out to Daytona for the Speed Weeks 2017. So let's preview the 2017 season a little bit. We pretty much know everything that's going to go on. We pretty much know everybody in, in, in uh, these cars, uh, except for maybe one or two cars in the Cup Series right now. So let's talk about it. The first team we're going to preview is Hendrick Motorsports. Let's talk about a team that I think, John, as a whole, really struggled in 2016 for the majority of the year. I think they got off to a nice start. In the middle of the year, they were junk. Then they had the situation with Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 88, left that team. Alex Bowman and Jeff Gordon filled in for him. Uh, but they ended the season brilliantly with Jimmy Johnson winning his seventh championship. They'll be going for eight this year. They had a very nice rookie year out of Chase Elliott. They're hoping Dale Earnhardt Jr. comes back and can rebound. And then they got Casey Kane, who's the first driver we're going to talk about here, John, in 2017. Can Casey Kane rebound? He's got the same crew chief. Let's talk about Casey Kane's 2017 season here quick. His crew chief is going to be Keith Rodden like it was in 2016. Same sponsors, Farmers Insurance, Great Clips, although Farmers leaving at the end of the year. Quicken Loans, Lift Master. He finished 17th in points last year. Listen to this stat about Casey Kane, and I want to know if, you, if you're surprised by this. He has finished 10th or better in points just three times in his 13-year career. Is that surprising to you? Well, not really. Because, I mean, Casey has talent, but there's always been turmoil around him before he got to Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, he was running for Ray Everham, then Ray was running into trouble. They came up with the Gillette thing, Gillette uh, laid the egg, then they merged with Richard Petty Motorsports, and he had to find a year to combat himself, waiting for Mark Martin to retire, so he ran for Red Bull. So, yeah, I can understand him not only having three top ten finishes in points in his career. The other thing that I have a problem with is if you think about the way it's always been at Hendrick Motorsports, there's always been one car that has sucked. It used to be the 25. Whenever Ken Schrader was in it, it could never go. When Craven was in it, it was never – I mean, it was almost the test car. And you look at the way it's set up right now. They're going to give Jimmy Johnson everything they have. They're going to give Dale Jr. everything they have. They're banking on Chase Elliott. So they're giving – he's got Alan Gustafson with him again. If there's an R&D car in the group, guess what? It's that five car because Casey Kane isn't Chase Elliott, Dale Jr., or Jimmy Johnson. And that's one of the problems when you're the fourth car in a four-car stable. Uh, Casey Kane has lots of talent. He showed it whenever he first came to Dodge, running for Ray Everham. And it just seems like since he got to Hendrick, there's been a black cloud over his head. And it's shown that he's the fourth car there because before Chase Elliott was in the 24, it was Jeff Gordon. And you knew Mr. Hendrick was going to take care of Jeff. He's going to take care of Junior. And he's going to take care of Jimmy. So there's only so much talent. I mean, there's only so many resources. And you're very rarely you're going to have four cars hit on it all the time like Gibbs did this year. I think somebody's going to fall off there. It'll be Suarez whenever we get to Gibbs down the road. But I, I think Casey Kane just happens to be the R&D car, 
and unfortunately he's the fourth car at the Hendrick Stable. And if I'm Casey, I'm thinking I got to really perform this year, or I'm looking somewhere else in 2018. Yeah, it's you're right, and you know you talk about Everham Motorsports and stuff, and you're right, you know. But John, he's entering his sixth year at Hendrick Motorsports right now. I know that's surprising some people. It's a surprise to me. I had to double count and double check that and make sure I was right. He's entering his sixth year at Hendrick Motorsports in 2017. That's crazy, and he's only got five wins there. And he's got 17 career wins. And listen, that Everham, a lot of that was a disaster. They went to Richard Petty Motorsports. He stuck with them for a while. He had a very good year with Red Bull Racing, I thought, a team that he wasn't expected to do a whole lot with. Ended up 14th in points. That was the best run they ever had in NASCAR. But it just seems like he's getting worse and worse at Hendrick Motorsports. It's a big, big, big year for Casey Kane. In his first two years at Hendrick Motorsports, he had 12 top fives and 11 top five finishes in 2012 and then 2013-11. Since then, he's had three top fives each of the last three years. you got to do better than that if you're Hendrick Motorsports. I'm sorry. He's got Keith Rod in there, who was at Jamie McMurray's team in the one car a couple of years ago, and he really, really helped that team perform. And now it's time for him to step up. You know, I think they kind of looked at Keith Rodden as a guy who was an engineer on that five car, and that was part of the reason why they really ran good. Um, and they brought him back, and they've really struggled. So, 2017 is a very big year. They got William Byron sort of waiting in the wings there, Hendrick Motorsports kind of figuring out, I think, where they're going to place him. And if Casey Kane can do very well in 2017, he makes that decision a little bit harder here. So, yeah, no doubt about it. I think Casey needs to run good. And a, a telling stat, he led zero laps last season. That's just not going to get it done at Hendrick Motorsports. I'm sorry. Uh, looking at his teammates this year, you got Chase Elliott. You mentioned that like Gustafson's back. Napa, 3M. He added Hooters as a sponsorship. Was 10th in points last year. Do you see a sophomore slump, slump with that team? What are your thoughts on Chase Elliott's 2017 season? Do you see him uh, kind of picking up right where that team left off? I think they're going to grow. It's the first time since Chase Elliott's hit the – top two series in NASCAR, he's had the same crew chief two years in a row because when he won his championship, his first year in Xfinity, Greg Ives was his crew chief. The second year, he had Ernie Cope. So this will be the first time he's had the same crew chief two years in a row. They have something to build on. They were close. They were really close a lot to winning. Chase made a couple rookie mistakes, which he won't do again. I think there will be two, three wins out of that 24 car this year. and I think Chase Elliott makes a chase easily. Oh, I totally agree, John. I think that he's the real deal. I think they've got a great team over there, a lot of sponsors. I think he's having a very good year. Uh, the third team in Hendrick Motorsports is 48, Jimmy Johnson. Chad Canals, of course, is the crew chief there. They've been together since 2002, low sponsors every race on that team. They're coming. They're the defending champions, seven championships for this team now. Uh, they've made it. Listen, what else can you say about this team? I've called them a sort of the – New England Patriots of NASCAR. They've been in the chase every year we've had it. They've been in it. Uh, they just don't slump every year. It just seems like they're going to, yeah, that 48 team, forget about them, and then they come back and they win a championship. How real is this possibility to win this state championship in 2017? Do you think they have a shot at it? I think without a doubt they have a shot at it. I mean, if you had if you had to tell me to pick my final four today, I'd put the 48 team in it. I'd probably put the 48 team, the four, uh, one of the Joe Gibbs cars, not sure which one, and one of the Penske cars, not sure which one. But I'd go 48-4, four, 
and it'd either be the 2 the 22 or the 18 or 20. Those are the cars that I see having the legitimate shot at making that final four at Homestead, especially with the rule changes the way they are. Um, there's the outside shot of Truex making it, but I think he'll slump this year because Eric Jones will tear up some equipment that they're not used to rebuilding out of uh, Furniture Row because they're used to one car. Um, I think Chad, Chad and Jimmy are going to keep going until they get number eight. And I don't think they may. I don't think they'll have to wait too long. It'll be this year or next year. That team is no, just I, too I, good. They find too many ways to win when you don't expect them to. And they never lose anybody, John. It's amazing. You see teams kind of go through a little bit of a, a refurbish after rebuild sort of. It just seems like this forty-eight team never loses anybody. Hendrick pays them the amount of money they want to get paid. Ron Malik's still there. He's the right-hand man of Chad Knauss. Chad Knauss is still there. They still got Jimmy Johnson. They're going to come at you with what they do best. They've been there. They know it. They, it's like a well-oiled machine, and they never lose a part. They're scary, scary good, and I think they're a real possibility for an eight championship. Uh, the 14 in Hendrick Motorsports, the 88 car, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, obviously, he's back, cleared to run all all races in 2017. Um, Alex Bowman will run a clash for that car, but other than that, it's Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s ride. Um, Greg Ives is the crew chief. Nationwide Insurance, Exalt, Tax, Slayer, Mountain Dew. They'll finish 32nd points, obviously missed the last 18 races due to a concussion. Um, that team finished 18th in owner points last season. But what are your expectations for Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Do you think missing those last 18 races will have an effect on him in 2017? What are your thoughts on his season uh, as we previewed here on Talking Circle? I think we'll be able to tell – Whenever we see the shootout, or not the not the clash, the the one fifties, the duels, I think that's where we'll see where Dale Jr. is. He seemed excited as hell to be testing at Phoenix, but there's seven eight cars out there. You get your bell rung the way he has, and he's had it rung a couple really good times. Sometimes you you hear the ghosts, and it's a matter of how he gets into the gets into the draft and runs into 150s, you'll see how committed he is to pushing it. Because he's a newlywed. Him and Amy probably want to have kids sooner or later. I think mm-hmm. he wants to have all of his faculties about him when he's older. I I think Dale Jr. is one hit away from it, the 88 being Alex Bowman's car. I hope to God it doesn't happen because Jr. is great for the sport. He loves the sport. He's a historian of the sport. But I think Dale Jr. doesn't make the chase because I don't think he's all the way back or I don't think he'll push it as hard. It'll be one of those ones sort of like Tony was this year. It's like, okay, I'm here. I think he's going to finish out his contract with Mr. H and uh, stay as a team owner in the Xfinity Series. Interesting. Interesting take there, John. I, I, I think he'll be back. After this season, I think he's going to wait and see how 2017 goes, though. Um, and I do think we might see a little early on in the year to kind of get back into the rhythm, get back into the groove. Guy's a professional. He's been doing it for, you know, now this is going to be his 18th full season in Cup. Um, so definitely he'll he'll get back in the groove quickly. But uh, you got to wonder if that is in the back of his mind. You know, I'm going to be, I want to be a father. I kind of want to have everything in me. Do I really need to push this three wide? Um it's going to be very interesting to see. You're right. And, you know, people say Ernie Urban was never the same driver after his injury, 
And obviously Ernie's injury was a lot more serious than Dale's. But, um, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows how this affects a guy. And uh, we'll wait and see. You know, I think the first 10, 15 races, first 10 races of the year, we'll really get a good idea of what Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 2017 is going to look like. Next team we're going to preview here, John, is Team Penske. Um, the two car, they have a two-car operation, and then a satellite team, which we'll talk about as well, at, at the Wood Brothers team with, with driver Ryan Blaney. But uh, two-car operation at Team Penske. Brad Kudlowski is the driver of the two-car. Middle Light Alliance Truck Parts Worth. Paul Wolf, the crew chief. He won a championship in 2012. They kind of had some, you know, they kind of bounced back and forth between having a really good year and a bad year. Uh, four wins last year. He finished 12th in the standings. But I like this team, John. I like where this team is. I always like where Kozlowski's head is, head is. I think he's very determined. I think he's a very focused guy. I expect a tall, strong 2017 from these guys. What are your thoughts on Brad Kozlowski? I think Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolf have the possibility of being the next Tony Stewart, Greg Zipidelli, or Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson. They're going to stick together for a long time. They're young. They both, I mean, Paul Wolf was a driver with an engineering background, so it works out both ways. So he knows what Brad's feeling in the car. I think they're going to be great. I think they will make the chase easily. And like I said, there's going to be one of the Penske cars in the final four. I just, it's almost flip a coin because they're both really, really good. Uh, Joey Logano in the 22, him and Todd Gordon are going to be together again. Since Joey Logano, I mean, when he was at Joe Gibbs Racing, you could see the talent was there. He just didn't put it together. And Gibbs didn't have the time to wait for it because he had a chance to get Matt Kenseth. So he got the proven commodity of Matt Kenseth and let Joey go. And Brad fought and kicked and yelled to Mr. Penske, We'll take Joey. We'll take Joey. And Logano has just flourished since he got to Penske Racing. Mm-hmm. Him and Todd Gordon have hit it off right off the bat. They're a solid team. And like I said, it's a coin flip whenever it comes to which one of those two cars will be in the Final Four. Uh, listen, I, I love both of those guys. I love this team. I love where they are. I think they're a, a very well-ran organization, a crisp organization. Two great two crew chiefs, two great drivers. It is amazing to watch when you look at Logano's stats from where it's like two different drivers from where he was at, at Joe Gibbs Racing to where he is at Team Penske. He's finishing the top eight in points, Team Penske, and I think everybody expects him to do that again in 2017. Um, you know, as, as silly as it might sound, maybe it was just the fact that somebody believed in him and said, listen, we expect you to win races in this car. And maybe it was a little bit of a wake-up call when he lost his ride at Joe Gibbs Racing because he was always so good in everything he was in prior to that. So, yeah, interesting that uh, to watch him flourish. He has absolutely flourished at Team Penske, and I expect another great year from this team. Again, I love this team. I love where they're at, and I think they're they're in great shape. Um, we're going to lose our live audience here in about a minute, but uh, what are your, what's your take here, John, on Ryan Blaney? You know, Wood Brothers Racing, obviously they have an alliance with Team Penske. Jerry Bones is a crew chief there. Ryan Blaney's a driver. They finished 20th in points last year, John. Uh, kind of a disappointing year, a little bit when you look at where, where the, you know, that they have in the Penske Alliance. This team hadn't run a full season. Blaney hasn't hadn't run a full season, so that was a little bit of a expecting. But I think people thought they might compete for more wins. They had some some bad luck there in the middle of the year. A couple blown engines that never happened anymore. A couple of blown tires that took them out of races. Uh, what do you think about Ryan Blaney? Do you think he'll have a decent year, rebound, have a good second year here, and jump? What are your thoughts on that? I think Ryan Blaney's a real deal. Him and 
uh, Chase Elliott both are going to be stars for a long time. I just think he had one of those, and he's even talked about it going from 15 races to 36 races for the Wood Brothers was a big transition. I mean, you're doubling what you're doing. They got a lot of help from Penske. Jeremy Bullins is a Penske. He came up through the Penske organization. The two of them mixed really well. Um, I think Blaney has a shot to compete for a win this year. He competed for a lot of good. He was up front most of the races last year. Made a few rookie mistakes that got him in trouble, but I think he'll pick up and he's he's the real deal. Him and Chase Elliott both, they're going to be stars in this sport for a long time. Yeah, I like Blaney a lot. I think he's a good driver. Uh, I like where his focus is on race day, too. He's a very serious guy when the weekend comes. I like that he has like to have a little bit of fun with off weekends and when he doesn't need to be serious, but I think when it, when, it's, when it's game time and his game face he gets his game face on, he's 100% business, and I like that about him. I think he's a good driver. He's good on the short tracks. Definitely might need another year here or two to really become a, a solid championship contender year in and year out, but I think he's got the potential to do that. Roger Penske knows talent when he sees it. He put him in that, in that uh, 29 truck a bunch of years ago. He's won races in the 22 Xfinity car, and I think it's only a matter of time before he gets a Wood Brothers racing team back to victory lane. It would be great to see that 21 car back to victory lane. We saw it, obviously, with Trevor Bain a couple of years ago, but it would be nice to see him back in victory lane on a regular basis. They've only won two races since 1984, I believe, or maybe three races since 84, if you include Kyle Petty's win at Richmond in 87, but I, and, and a couple of Morgan Shepard wins there, excuse me, there in the 90s. Uh, but they've won a lot of races since 96. They've won Sadler's win in 2001. Baines win in, in Daytona a couple of years ago in 2011, I believe that was. Um, so they haven't won a ton of races there in recent times, but it would be nice to see them back in victory lane on a regular basis. I think Ryan Blaney can do it for sure. I want to thank Lee and Virginia for the call. John Harley, you do great stuff every week. Appreciate you coming on here from SpeedwayMedia.com. If you haven't read anything, uh, if you're looking for something to read, go to SpeedwayMedia.com. they got a lot of great stuff there. Uh, they do a lot of good things there. You can click on the, on the tab on speedwithmedia.com, listen to all our shows uh, on Talking in Circles, and I'll bring you to a, uh, all of our shows, and you can enjoy more of me and more of John and our pleasant and happy and hot takes on NASCAR. John, we'll do it again next week. Appreciate it. We'll be back here. Always glad to do it, my Good friend. Good night, everybody. Thank you, John. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.